Hi, I'm Graham Lasso, and you're listening to Eat, Sleep, Chelsea, Repeat with Chris, Craig, and Brady. It's the Eat, Sleep, Chelsea, Repeat review pod. And I'm here hosting today because Chris is unfortunately away. But I do have Brady with me to go through back-to-back home wins for the first time in 2023. How are you feeling, Brady? Well, not very well because uh, I've got COVID. But, you know, three, three points uh, cures any ailment. And uh, Chris couldn't make it. He's, he's under the weather as well. A bit like Chelsea, you know, <laughs> walking wounded. But, yeah, it's nice to get. Do you know the last time we won two home games in a row? Very tough, Chris. Yeah, I'll give you a clue. It was under two different managers. Two home games in a row. I mean, league home games. League home games. So I guess it was the match before Tuchel got sacked. Yeah, you're in the right area. Because um, he got sacked after the Champions League game, didn't he? But the, the league yeah. game before was... Who was I the league game the winner. Was it Leeds? No, that was Potter. That was way later. Oh. Yeah, you're going to have to help me out here, I think. Well, the first one was West Ham at home, 2-1. Oh, West Ham, yeah, Chilwell, I think, and yeah. Havertz with the winner at the and end. And the next one was, uh, I think, Graham Potter's first home victory in the league. Do you remember that game? It was one where we were very curious about the lineup, but we ended up quite comfortably winning. Actually playing this team very soon. Crystal Palace? Mm, sooner than that. It was, it was Wolves. Oh, Wolves, Wolves at yeah. home, yeah. Yeah, oh, I, I know they both had the same first home game, Tuchel and have Yeah, uh, some Pulisic goal scorers in a different era. And actually an Armando Braga goal, which uh, I'm sure we'd like at the moment. Yeah, but, I do remember um, that 3-0, but it, was, it wasn't the most convincing game. But yeah, um, let's switch back to, to Sheffield United. It was uh, definitely a game of two halves. Um, yeah. A very, very tepid uh, first half, to say the very least. Um, not much going on at all. And in fact... You know, Sheffield United probably had um, a couple of opportunities and we didn't really fashion anything. And then second half, we came out with some impetus, a change of formation and just uh, a much, much improved performance and was quite comfortable in the end. Is that how you saw it? I mean, I chat about all the positives in the first half now. Right, I'm finished. No, I mean, it was was terrible. I mean, I think on the Chelsea TV, they said the Nick Jackson zero point. Well, they didn't say this, but the zero point zero x xg zero point zero three xg shot. Sorry, from Jackson where he cut in was he woke the crowd up. I mean, I watched on TV and you were there. I mean, it sounded like it was a real like dull atmosphere, right? By the fortieth minute, it was kind of the tension was rising a bit. Yeah, I mean, we've seen games sort of similar to this um, this season, but also previously under Potter, where the first half sort of a bit of a, a write off. You know, you yeah. sort of just, uh, the, the halves passed you by and nothing's happened. And yeah. that was sort of exactly what happened in this game. That The half just sort of evaporated into nothing. And uh, I'd say Posh was probably slow to make tweaks, you know, yeah. and, and to get energy. But once he did, obviously, it did make a, end up making a massive, massive difference. Yeah. yeah why don't you talk us through, you know, you and Chris are the kind of uh, tactics hub on this pod. Why don't you talk us through the uh, the infamous switch that you made at halftime to adjust things? Yeah, so I mean, it's just in terms of our setup, we we played sort of four two three one in the in the first half, and it it wasn't effective at all. Obviously, as we as we just talked about, what happened was the ball kept going to wide spaces, and and Sterling and and Mudrick just weren't able to create and penetrate as as they're not really there that 
the strength of them in terms of their passing. Um, also, I would say we, we weren't getting enough players forward into the box. for The midfield sat very deep in the first half. Caicedo and Gallagher, um, and obviously with our setup being four centre-backs behind it, you know, we're really offering nothing from deep areas in terms of uh, creativity. But in the second half, yeah, we, we went to this 4-2-2-2, which we, we have sort of seen before at times with Sterling playing really, really close to Jackson. And then both players playing centrally and, and making runs in behind. I think there was a couple of instances where at the start of the first half where Palmer's literally yelling at people to to make runs in behind when he's got the ball. And, you know, that movement and those having that double threat centrally really opened everything else up. Palmer was able to to cut in from the left and Mudrick, you know, less impactful probably, but from the um left-hand side. Sorry, Palmer from the right and Mudrick from the left. So yeah, it was it, it made a big difference in Gallagher and Caicedo actually got forward. There was a couple of runs actually Caicedo made where he got to the byline. Um, yeah. And also Gallagher obviously was was in the box and, and in and around obviously the second goal you saw as well. So the midfielders really, really pushing forward. And Sheffield United, look, they didn't really offer anything on the counter-attack. Obviously, they have absolutely no pace up there. Ollie McBurney offering absolutely nothing to get in behind. So you can really, really press up high and condense the pitch. Um and not really be terrified. It's not really many teams in the Premier League where I would say you, you, you can do that and you, you don't have to be scared of their counter. Even you know against Everton, you look at Decore and, and Calvert Lewin. You know they're offering a much greater threat of of pace, but also power. And yeah, yeah. I, I think Sheffield United didn't really offer much. So yeah, we were able to just really dominate the game second half. Yeah, I mean, Potch said we uh, we fixed different positions and were able to penetrate more. We swapped Sterling and Palmer. And Jackson and Sterling were able to stretch them more. I mean, he's asked about three different iterations. I think he's trying. He is quite funny, Potts. You're kind of he goes into tactics sometimes a little bit more. I think he did it in the uh, when they were saying that he was playing playing three at the back, and really he was. No, oh, I'm actually playing four, and he went into a bit of a deep dive about tactics before he actually stopped himself. But yeah, I mean, it was really a lopsided game. I mean, the first half was 0.14 xG, and the, se- the second half was three xG. I think a lot of it was. A lot of it is also to do with confidence. Once you get that first goal, I mean, it's a real cliche, but the weight was really lifted. And I know CFC Central on X has spoke about with young teams, that kind of um, dynamic is, you know, even heightened. You know, when when we go 1-0 down, it'll hurt us more. When we go 1-0 up, it'll give us an even a bigger spring than it usually does for a team. And we were able to play a bit more. There was a system, but it was also like playing through the lines. And obviously Cole Palmer, which I assume will be in attempts at some point, was able because he's one of our best players to play between the lines. It gave a bit more space. Obviously, he got the goal running from deep. Yeah, just we kind of um, handbrake off a little bit and not even handbrake off. Just sort of un- unlocked quite what's probably quite a simple puzzle that we overcomplicated a little bit in the in the first half and got probably our first comfortable home win of the season, I suppose, since Luton. Then that was a rare occasion, really. Yeah. Well, let's talk temps and hop straight in. Time to see whose form's on top, who's heating up, whose temperature's dropped, who's been playing well and who's not, it's freezing, warming up, boiling hot. Let's, you can go first. The freezer, freezing cold section. Tough to put a player in the freezer. I haven't actually put a player. If I was to put a player in the freezer, I'm going to do one of my silly ones that you don't like, but I think we need to talk about the situation. I'm going to kind of do a situational freezer. If I was going to be putting a player in the freezer, it would be Armando Broya because, I mean, I don't know if you saw a miss of the season. I mean, I, 
think it was a 1.5. I mean, Jackson's got to be up there still against... Yeah, I mean, Jackson's up there, but we can talk about Nick Jackson as well. I'm sure, I am sure. assume you're going to put him in, so I'll probably get to rebound when you speak about him. I'm not going to put Nick in it this week. I don't think he was great. But I think he throws some decent quality from the left, but we can speak about Jackson a little bit. The What I'm going to put in the freezer is... Um, and actually, I think actually really affected us in the first half was it's, it's the fullbacks. And I mean, this is the status of the fullbacks at the moment. Um, you know, James is out for months, Chilwell for weeks slash uh, weeks slash months, Kukurea for months, Gusto in and out of injuries and obviously got suspended. And Martson, who seems to be a bit of a glitch in the matrix, <laughs> doesn't Poch doesn't actually think that he's a left back and doesn't seem to get uh, any minutes for left back. Not saying he's the next Roberto Carlos or anything like that, but I think you maybe could have played him as left back in not maybe not this game for the because I think for the height we needed the height, but I think in other games in the run up you could maybe play maybe Palace at home or a game like that or looting away I have to see I just think at the moment well Liam Tooney said on the straight out of comp podcast the, 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 main, the main way the City Liverpool and Arsenal break uh, low blocks down is they get an overload in numer- numerical superiority in wide areas and even though Colwell got forward a little bit and Dizassi, they just they're not used to being up there there wasn't really nothing going forward so what we gained in um, obviously height uh, to defend against set pieces, which we did really well in this game, you lose uh, in attacking. I think we've got one. I don't think any fullbacks have scored this season. Uh, I think we've got a handful of assists, and going into you know into the new year, you wouldn't really have expected that. So, just at the moment, it's a terrible situation. We just got no width uh, from that area, and it's difficult. I think Ben Chilwell has missed about four one on ones, hasn't he? But yeah, yeah. obviously very unfortunate to. To not be in in that um, to have that be a stat or whatever. The what I would say about Broyer is, I think they're they're taking it really slow with him. Um, that you know the the injury situation is is something that you know he's experienced a lot of going through his career with his with his body type, and you know I I think you're going to be I think we're, as fans we're all frustrated with you know the the process that they're going through with some of these players with injuries. I know Nkunku's another one where they're being you know super super cautious and slow. We we hope to see him on um, on Saturday and we didn't, and we were I guess we're looking forward to potentially seeing him against Newcastle tomorrow night. But um, yeah, look, Broyer I think is. Again, not someone that I, I think we're going to ha- rely on. It, the, the more this plays out, this striker situation for us, the more I just think that we're heading towards a big signing in, in January, striker-wise. I think the way Posh is talking, I think what he's doing with Broyer, how Jackson looks, we'll see what, how he uses Nkunku when he comes back. I just think it's set up for a more experienced, European-quality, you know, proven quality striker to come in into this team I think it's interesting because I think when you talk about that it's really awesome and a bust I think there's been heavily heavily rumoured that Ivan Tony wants to go to Arsenal I mean obviously money talks but with our contract uh, cap at the moment I don't even think we could afford uh, Osterman or Tony so that's another thing maybe we could talk about a macro point we could talk about another week where we would actually have to really change our wave structure to afford one of these players that you're talking about yeah, we're well, bro. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to get on in too much, but it's, it's it's interesting because I think again in the Athletic they spoke about Nkunku's an unknown. I mean, if Nkunku comes in and fires and kind of you know in pre-season him and Jackson were firing off pretty well together, is there a need to go for a striker in January? I think next summer you probably need to, but I think in January I think they might be a bit reticent just because 
I think you can probably get a striker in the summer that you maybe can't get in January. If that makes sense. Um, I, I'm trying to think who though. I, I'm trying to think who we're waiting for in terms of uh, European. I think quality. it's Austin on a bust. I mean, you, there's some yeah. other rumours like there's, I'm uh, my girlfriend Slovenia and I've lived in Slovenia for a while. There's a really good player called Benjamin Sesko, but he's 21. Again, Sesko's young player. You're not. Yeah, that's what I mean. But so like, that's just what I mean. So you, again, you're gambling a little bit, um, a little bit. Probably not as much as you were with Jackson because we really plucked him from the wilderness, Jackson. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think clearly striker is weak at the moment, and Nkunku you would, is not a pure striker, more of a forwards. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Nkunku did say in pre-season he sees himself as the nine, so maybe you'd have you know Nkunku in the nine, and and obviously we were quite fluid yesterday the way we played with Palmer in a false nine and Sterling up there. So um, yeah, have to wait and see. But I don't know if we can actually get this player that you're after in January. I think it'd be very difficult logistically. Yeah, Napoli, obviously, notoriously strong negotiators. Um, my freezer is not Nicholas Jackson, actually, although I don't think he had a great game. Yeah, nice, nice dodge, uh, my, my, my freezer is Mikhailo Mudrik. Yeah, um, I mean, uh, you could, yeah. Uh, I, I think his fourth start in a row. So I think people were clamoring for him to get a bit more game time. That's four starts now in a row. He has no goals and one assist in those four starts. Um, <clears throat> the assist being the pass to Cole Palmer for the his goal against Manchester United, which I wouldn't call um, you know particularly you know high level assist or of any regard. I just think with with Mudrick, he's he's a very frustrating player to watch. We go we've we're at almost a year now of him at the club, mm-hmm. which is you know it's a long time. I think we, we you know we we've been able to watch him play a lot. Um, it's a shame Chris isn't on the pod actually to sort of talk a little bit about this because I know he had high hopes for Mudrick. I think you told him to talk about Mudrick and he went, oh, I better not. Better not. <laughs> we actually didn't tell him that we were going to put Mudrick <laughs> in the freezer. But yeah, um, obviously he, he rated really poorly in, in the game. The most jewels lost in the game were 10. I think that's one of his issues is, you know, uh, he, physicality in this, this league is really, really important. Can you be strong both in the tackle and you know, offensively as well? Keep the ball. I don't see it with him. Very poor decision making. I mean, there was a point where he cut in and shot from thirty-five yards. Um, you know, I just, I just can't get on board with that at all. That that's just not ever the play. I think if you're, and I think this is what a spot where the coach has to be really strong with him. I think Posh is good with young players. I think you know when you review that on tape, you got to look back and and say to him, look, mate, that's this is not good enough. You know, you cannot yeah. be doing that for us. Um, and yeah, he's got he's got so much to learn. I think. They they said on the athletic podcast they did a little segment on Mudrick I think and and they said you know you have got to ignore the price tag and we we do have to ignore it because you know look that was a completely ridiculous price tag for the player that we have you know yeah, what no. we have is is a young winger with incredible pace and not much else and you know bagfuls of potential that's it you know that's what we've got and and I guess we just have to accept that. I mean, I, I think definitely I can lead into like the, the transfer fees is like a macro thing as well, where with Enzo, Caicedo, Mudrik, um, I don't think any of those players are anywhere near their fee. I think what we've done for, what I've been realising recently, listening to pods and doing a bit of research, is you know we've gone for low wages, high fees, right? So we're overpaying for players. Mudrik is not a... I think, I think a few months before he was like rated as like a £35 million player. He's extremely raw. I mean, for me, the, the narrative is the same. Uh, I know he did that banana shot. It probably 
you and Chris were ducking again in the shed end <laughs> <laughs> when he shot. It, it, uh, it hit the world West Lower. There was, was that clip of that Salah did it, um, and you know, in his, in his Chelsea career. So maybe we've got some hope. But um, no, I'm not. Yeah, I don't like that sort of uh, apples to apples comparison. It's no, like, no, look, I, I, I agree. Like, I, think, I, think with Madrid, I think with Madrid, you've got to make a decision. Do you write off last season or not? Because it's been taken. It's been it's been a year. Clearly, last season, I mean, a lot of the players got the clean slate. Obviously, I mean, a lot of them left. To be fair, so there's not many clean slates about. But you know, he's only got 700 minutes in the league this year. He's got, um, you know, he's got two goals, two assists. I don't think he's performing particularly well. Uh, but he is a moments player. And again, on the Straight Outta Compton podcast, uh, Don Firefield, uh, I think the head of the Athletic, said that you know, a bit of an old school winger. Sometimes he does something amazing. Sometimes he does sometimes something rubbish. Bit, bit of a throwback. Mm. Um, I think that. You're going to have to just be patient with him. Um, and, you know, at the moment, it's a shame because I just want to mention Madueke as well. I think we were all thinking at the start of this season, right, Mudrik and Madueke, right and left, here we go. It's been a bit of a car crash for both of them. If you said that both of them, between them, have got, haven't got got 1,000 minutes in the league and they've got two goals and two assists between them, bad, really bad. Um, and so be really nice to rectify that situation. But like you said, yeah, you can't, there's no excuse for minutes now. Obviously the the caveat before I said, well, he's in and out of the team. Well, yeah, he's got four starts in a row now and performances are a bit up and down. I do think that when the team isn't playing well, he just doesn't know what to do. He doesn't really know what uh, decisions to make. And obviously decision-making is a problem, but with the raw attributes, I think you've got to stick with him. But um, it's a difficult one because you could set him on, I suppose. Um and we'll obviously we're going to talk about players that you know Chelsea might be looking to recruit money for a bit later, but I think you just got to have a bit of patience. I think. Yeah, and look, I think that's that. Like you say, I don't think we have any choice in that aspect. And yeah, yeah with the injuries as well, you know, he's going to end up playing. He'll probably play tomorrow night against Newcastle as well in the League Cup, and another chance for him to show that mm. he can that he can take some steps and improve. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about warming up. Um, I mean, this player could have been boiling hot, to be honest, and um, I've got another player boiling hot, but warming up for me, Moises Caicedo. I think it was his best Chelsea uh, game, in a, best game in a Chelsea shirt. I think he did an interview this week. I think it was with Sky, I'm not sure. And he said that soon you're going to see the real Moises, Moises Caicedo, and he didn't disappoint. Um, just what I really like about him is actually his passing. Uh, 88%, um, eight, sorry, 88% uh, pass accuracy. Uh, two chances created in this game, which is a bit new metric for him. To two out of two successful dribbles and four out of four, four out of five ground jewels. One, you know, good stats. And I just if, he just looks very confident. Look, kind of almost like fairly silky. Kind of turns it around the corner. Can pass it very quickly. Can win the ball back as well. But very dynamic midfielder. Um, obviously, compared to Kante a lot for his high recoveries. But he's a very different player to Golo Kante. And Golo Kante, I think, was better at recoveries and very unique in that way. But Moyes has got way more about him on the ball. And um, I thought this was a really good game. And it was a game where I think he played well for 90 minutes. I think in other games he's played well for 10, then 20, and then gone off the boil a bit and got booked and whatnot. But this game was really good and really, really encouraging. Obviously, to caveat, we're playing against a team that's 20 from the league. They've got eight points, haven't got exactly... Um, he's not playing like Pirlo and Gattuso in the middle, let's say. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a good performance and uh, yeah, one to build on. Yeah, absolutely. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. And it stood out... Um, like a sore thumb when you're actually at the game, you know, his work rate, the ground he's covering. I think the, the Premier League even tweeted out his heat map from this game. It was absolutely fantastic. So, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> a statement performance, I guess, for, from him. 
for the first time really in a Chelsea shirt where he was utterly dominant in midfield and helped that the player next to him was also absolutely fantastic. So yeah, and look, if you're going to play as a duo in midfield and we didn't have Enzo playing today and we only had two in there, you know, you've got to cover a lot of ground and you've got to work hard and, and yeah, he they both of them did that really, really well. And really nice got- to see as well that like, in a double pivot, it worked because obviously the last time we played double pivot, we conceded four XG against United, and obviously United. I mean, you'd think that United since since the Chelsea game would have drawn confidence, but since then they've got beat by Bournemouth, uh, Bayern, and then just scraped a draw against Liverpool. It's not like we basically made them look really good in that game for some reason. Um, so I think you and I are kind of pushing for double pivot rather than. Having the three three central midfielders that we've had, you know, since the start of the, since the start of the season, so yeah, it's good that we look so solid and he looked more comfortable covering that ground with uh, with Enzo not there. Yeah, and looking obviously rumours of of Gallagher as well, um, potentially leaving in January. We can talk about that in a little bit, but I think Caicedo and Lavia together as a, as a double pivot sounds really really nice as well. Um, yeah. Obviously, Enzo is the natural player to come in. Sorry, just had to cough there. Um, Warming up for you? Warming up for me is the player that I put in freezing cold last week. I'll, I'll make up. I'll make it up to him by putting him in warming up. I thought Pema Badia was brilliant in this game. Yeah. Um, he, uh, he heard my words last week saying that he was poor against Everton and, and he had a poor game as well against Newcastle. And look, he stepped it up and played really, really well. And yeah, I think we all know the ceiling of player that he is. We've got high expectations for him. And yeah, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, I mean, not, not 92% accuracy, uh, 92% pass accuracy, five out of seven uh, long balls, which I think you called out in the last game where he got one out of seven. So he actively listened to you there, Craig. Uh, five out of ground duel one, uh, five, sorry, five out of seven ground duels one. Excuse me, and uh, three out of five aerial jewels won, and one out, one out of one rainbow flick from the sky, bringing it down. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, that was absolute filth. That was gravy, yeah. I mean, yeah, absolute quality. I, I mean, I've, I haven't really ever taken this freezer out, out of the warm climates. I mean, even though, I think you've got to be patient with him. I think you know his first game, his first home game, sorry, his first league game this year was one of the probably the toughest away fixture in the league. Um, and then he goes in against Everton, which is again is a very difficult fixture physically. And I think he did okay physically um, in a slightly easier game, which probably, to be honest, you should have padded him in. I don't really like the way Poch has padded him in a little bit. And I, I know you said, well, you got to chuck him in and see how he goes. I think Poch could have managed his minutes a lot better this year. I'll be honest. Um, and I think Poch got kind of burned by that a little bit by his performances. But you see now, you know, if he can play against Newcastle and Wolves or. You see now that he's building his minutes, building his confidence, building his match fitness back. And for me, the player's there. Um, I think he's a fantastic player. I think he's one of the best centre-backs at the club. And um, like I've repeatedly said, I I mean, it's it's funny when you listen to the outside Chelsea, they seem to think that we need to really buy a world-class centre-back. I'm just not really of that ilk at all, really. Um, I don't think we should... There's a lot of uh, rumours at the moment, as we keep referring to, about FFP and, you know, we have to watch the books and pure profit and whatnot, but I wouldn't be busting my gut to buy a really good centre back at the moment, to be honest. Um I think we've got I think we're well stocked there. And uh, yeah, I think he's a really good player and I think he was a fantastic pickup and I just enjoy I just enjoy watching him in a Chelsea shirt, to be honest. Absolutely. Alright, let's move on to, to boiling hot. So 
boiling hot for me. I mean, there's a couple of choices, and uh, me and Craig have discussed which one to choose. But I'll, I'll go for Cole Palmer. He's just he's just a baller, isn't he? Um, it's he's a class act. And, and the thing I like about Cole Palmer is this: he's good on the eye test, and he's he's good for the stats. I mean, he's got I know there are four of them with penalties, but he's got nine G slash A in the league now in under a thousand minutes. He's got eleven G slash A in a hundred minutes in all comps. I mean, he's got a goal assist every hundred minutes. Obviously, four of them were penalties. But he's got a couple of open play goals now. Really confident player. Tries the you know the chip little cheeky free kick. He did a fantastic marauding kind of Maradona type run again. A little bit similar to the one against City. Got and then he got fouled. Just a fantastic player. And there's a case, obviously, that you know it may be the kind of diamond in a poor team at the moment. But I don't think so. I think we've really picked up a fantastic player. And City are known to sell players that, you know, other clubs wouldn't sell, for instance. I think Guardiola's quite stubborn in that way. I think before Bernardo Silva's asked it, they maybe hinted that he wanted to leave um, and eventually didn't. Obviously, they sold Gundogan, probably pound for pound one of the best players last season. I think they just sold us a really good player, really. I think as simple as that. Um, and I think, dissimilar to Foden, Palmer's given a bit more freedom. I think, I wouldn't say they're similar players, but they're both very, very talented players, obviously both left-footed. I think Foden is made to, you know, stick to the system, has to be a bit more robotic system player. I think with Poch, he's been given a little bit, not not a lot, but a little bit of like an old school free roll, a little bit of a hazard in between the lines, make something happen kind of role. And he absolutely thrives in that. And um, yeah, I know Pythagoras and Boots has compared him to Chris Waddle before. And yeah, I just think he's a fantastic player and I just hope he can stay fit and yeah, just get the goals and just keep rolling in. Yeah, I, was, I was thinking if, if, you say someone's coming in for one of our players and, and you can veto one player, one player in the Chelsea squad right now that you have to keep, that you can keep and, and they'll get the free reign of every, anyone else. It might be Cole Palmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you have to say with him and Sterling, I think he is our most important attacker at the moment, um, especially because he's so young. With Sterling... Sterling's got very unique attributes as well, a fantastic player as well. And actually, we should we should give a little shout out to Raheem Sterling because it was his burst of pace. A lot of said, a lot was said about the changing system. A changing system doesn't make Raheem Sterling burst past the defender and deliver like a bullet cross. I mean, it's a fantastic assist. And, yeah, and um, the movement that, from Palmer as well is great. Yeah, and you know, just that little bit of quality just kind of you know, I think made us realise that oh, we can you know, cut through this team fairly like, like knife through butter really if we actually apply our but apply our skill sets, but. Yeah, I think with Palmer, he's, you know, the old classic first name on the, clean sheet, uh, on the team sheet a little bit. I assume he'll play tomorrow. I assume he'll play recording Monday night. I assume he'll play tomorrow night for Newcastle. And I assume he'll play uh, Wolves. Uh, I assume he'll play Wolves on Christmas Eve. I mean, he might get arrested a little bit over the Christmas period. But um, yeah, it, I think it shows the other week where he was a little bit unfit and Poch rested him. That sh- that That's really a thing of like a manager trying to protect his player and... Yeah, um, I think he's a wonderful talent and um, really happy we picked him up and got, you know, got someone for one of the star, probably one of the recent starlets of the Man City Academy. Yeah, and uh, long may it continue because, yeah, at his age, if he can stay fit this season, he, you know, with his goal assist record, he can have a fantastic season, not just in terms of performance, in terms of actually delivering goals and assists for this team. So. Yeah, yeah, very excited about him, and also a nice free kick from him. It was like a yeah. a goal shot 
Um, yeah, yeah, like, like a little chip. Little, yeah, uh, like a little chip free kick. Sam, uh, like, I'm not a golfer, but sandwich. My dad would be fuming. I said that. <laughs> I don't even know golf clubs. Uh, I don't know a sandwich or whatever, uh, uh, whatever. But um, yeah, and also just to, just to finish on Cole, a lot of his shots have been outside the box. I think this is one of the first times he's actually shot inside the box and arrived from late. We need to see that more from him. A lot of his attempts from goal. I think Everton away, you know, he might force Pitford into a good save. I think a lot of his shots are, you know, below 0.10 XG. So we really want to get him in the box more, make him clinical, because it was a great finish. I mean, he made that finish look easy, you know. Coming in, I mean, obviously it was a very high XG chance and one you hope that most of our tackles were put away. But you could easily see a Mudrick or a Jackson or, you know, whoever. Even a Broyard. Broyard is drawing a class now, kind of maybe, you know, not getting the right connection or something like that. He absolutely thumped it in. So, uh, good goal, a good team goal. And um, I think, as well as Sterling and Palmer, I think, you know, it's been spoken about that, you know, Sterling's taken Palmer on his wing a little bit. Obviously, they were uh, teammates of City, and he obviously, I think he probably looks up to Raheem Sterling a little bit. So, although Raheem Sterling is not captain at the moment, I think if there's a little bit of leadership, so a little bit of connection, you could tell by the way they celebrated, you know, Palmer was like, you know, giving him a tap on the chest, saying thanks, mate. And, yeah, it's good to build those connections, that, you know, that you get from old connections in uh, in previous clubs. Yeah, I think they definitely have a connection on the pitch, Palmer and Sterling. Yeah. I think they're a well-balanced uh, duo when we play 4-3-3 as well. If we, yeah. I, I quite like the 4-3-3 in, in big, tougher games, you know, when we play Enzo, Caicedo, Gallagher together, and then I think Palmer, left, Sterling, right, is a really nice balance. Just need to get that. You would say at the moment our attack is, you know, uh, Sterling, Palmer, and, wouldn't you? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and then well, and then the other two, you, you, the other one or two, depending on what system we play, can fit in. And you assume that Nkunku in it. So I think going forward, our attack will be Nkunku, Palmer, and Sterling. And I think it'll just be Jackson, Broya, Mudrick, Murdoch, just trying to get the other minutes. I assume, unless there's injuries. Yeah, it definitely. I think it's taking shape a bit at yeah. the end of the pitch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it'll be nice to obviously make an addition. The other boiling hot, I think, is really obvious, is uh, Conor Gallagher. Yeah. Um, we've sort of talked about him already being fantastic next to Caicedo. We've talked about Caicedo being good, but I just want to talk about Gallagher and just his heat map as well. Absolutely everywhere on the pitch. 99% pass accuracy. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable about that. I mean, given one, one pass away in the game. And look, he's not trying anything, you know, spectacular, but I still think in centre mid, that's just, you know, a demonstration. 11 recoveries. Yeah, I mean that's got to be some sort. Of, that's got to be some sort of record. I mean, the first half. I mean, it was the only thing that was worth watching. These high recoveries. I mean, it, sometimes he it, it didn't do too well with it on the end of it. But yeah, the, the recoveries and the interceptions were unbelievable. I He's mean, incredible. Sure. He has incredible anticipation of where the ball is yeah. going to go, and when he makes his mind up about that, he's on it at a hundred miles an hour. And yeah, I, I I feel like it's something that you can teach pressing, mm. but it does seem to be that some players have it and some players don't. Um, he's just tenacious. He just he, he'll gamble on it a little bit. I think some players are reticent a little bit to press, and especially the interception. Because obviously, the thing with pressing and interceptions is if you slightly miss it, it looks really bad, right? So you can be bypassed and you're out of position. But you know he's so sharp, so fit, and um, yeah, I mean it's one of his best. Rec- I mean, you know, in a ten, he hasn't got many goals at the moment, and that's one thing that I guess the board will be thinking about when we we go to in a minute talk about you know this contrast situation. He's not scoring enough goals. Couple of shots this game with subpar. Needs to score more goals, but in terms of getting the ball back, I mean, he's a little bit like Kante. He's a little bit like an, an advanced Kante. He gets the ball back immediately. He's got a bit, bit more about him on the ball. Just a fantastic player at the moment. Yeah, I, I would say that I'm not too fussed about him contributing in an attacking sense. If we're going to play a double pivot, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't mind, obviously, about him and Caicedo contributing because you, you've got the extra attacker on the pitch. What I would be fussed about is if we're going to play 4 3 3, now Enzo and Gallagher do have to contribute some sort of attacking threat. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. But, but yeah, the, the, the double pivot, yeah, like you said earlier, it's really nice to see it working in operation. Yeah. I think, obviously, you need two players with a lot of energy. Caicedo and Gallagher are sort of perfect for that role. I just wonder whether. We talked about Enzo. Was he rested or was he dropped? Um, did you listen to the Potch quote afterwards? What What did he say? Spy, spy. You know, spy. I was asking uh, the old Chelsea. Oh, yeah. He asked him the very blunt like, questions. Let's call it. Um, he said basically that you know we selected these midfielders due to their profile and uh, and for other games we'll select others. He basically said it wasn't just a fitness thing. He said that uh, he made a point of it as well. He, you know, he made a point of it that I. Basically, I wanted Gallagher and Caicedo for this game, and I've been calling for that. Um, I don't think we need three, three, all three of them, personally. I think at the moment, he doesn't really want to drop any of them, but he's going to have to make a decision because we've got so many attackers in those areas. And yeah, I, I think he's right. I think for some games of Enzo, where you want a bit more control and things like that, maybe you play him, but Gallagher's just fit all the time. I mean, Liam Tooney said this on the Strata Comp podcast. I mean, being fit all the time is a very underrated value at Chelsea at the moment. He, I mean, touch wood, he never gets injured. He never gets tired. Um, I mean, we're talking a lot about Enzo's tiredness at the moment. Gallagher just energises the body. He just goes and goes and goes. And you need that in the Premier League, especially when you're trying to win the ball up high and, you know, in your, against a high-press team. So, yeah, I think, I think basically he was selected ahead of Enzo is what I'm trying to say. So, I mean, that is high praise for someone who was looking like he was going to be out. Of the, well, he might be out of the club anyway, but looked like he was at surplus to acquirements before the start of the season. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about his contract situation. 18 yeah. months left yeah. on his deal. I would say that, you know, probably been one of our best players this season mm. in terms of overall performance. Yeah. Um, obviously, ignoring that red card game, basically every game consistently good. Um, yeah. Where where do you sit on him in terms of, you know, the money obviously contributes straight away, which would be really helpful for FFP. Mm-hmm. Or do you, do you think you know he's too valuable a player to let go of? I think you've got to look at it as if it's Chelsea PLC or the Blue Co that we've we've created, or is it Chelsea Football Club? From a Chelsea Football Club point of view, certainly uh, not giving him a new contract is ludicrous. And I think the board after this one, I just decide which side of the line they sit on. Um, I, don't, I think the board have to be a bit careful because you go to more games than I do, but I think there's a lot of disharmony in the fact the, the Natch going fan base about about the the board. Um, I think that's why I, I, I would say I would say it's fairly mixed overall. Yeah, I, I, but I would say that personally, I'm surprised that Poch has maybe got a little bit more criticism than he had being an ex-Spurs manager, and I, maybe that's because it's just dissent about the board. I just think there's other assets you can sell. Uh, to get the pure profit, you can you can sell Chalibur and Matson. Um, I I do I think, think I'll definitely do that as well. Yeah, but I just don't see how you need to sell Gallagher. I mean, I'm not sure if you know. There's not a lot of there's not always a lot of money outside the Premier League, and I'm not sure anyone's going to be spending 50 million on him because you know he's only got 18 months left in his contract, and obviously that's something that you know that the other team will have a strong negotiating position about. For me, I mean, it's obvious what I'm going to say. I think not giving a new contract is ludicrous. I, I, I tweet here on X all the time. If you could follow us on X, we're very close. I think we're about 35 away from uh, 2,000 followers. If we could get it before Christmas or New Year, that would be a great Christmas present for us. If you, if you could follow us at Eat Sleep Chelsea, that would be wonderful. Um, 
I think you're the best performers you give given the new contract, right? I don't think there's been a player in modern history who has deserved a contract more than Conor Gallagher. Um, and so not giving him one would be, I think, disgraceful, to be honest. Um, but if they're thinking about the dollar signs in their eyes, then that's it. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't agree with that um, in terms of it being disgraceful to not give him a contract. I do think he's played really well. It definitely exceeded my expectations for him this season in terms of his overall ability. I just think as a club, um, and there's a lot of, you know, I know you kind of tease me about this a little bit, that obviously they are going to talk about this, but, you know, care, Carefree Youth, Chelsea Youth on Twitter, you know, they've, they've got a lot of followers. They know a lot about the academy. They're not happy about the amount of minutes that the Cobham graduates are getting at the moment with the two goalkeepers being on the bench. If Conor Gallagher is putting in that performance for Chelsea and other graduates are looking at them, maybe the 16, 17-year-olds, and they're getting offers from other clubs, they're going to, and then we sell him. We're going to look at it and go, where's my pathway into this team? Like, you know, at the moment, it's not like, you know, the old... You know, the, it, was, it was difficult enough before Lampard, that Lampard um, transfer embargo season to get players into the team. When we're buying young players and we're getting these South American players like Kenji Paez and Angelo, and obviously not all these players that play for Chelsea, it's obvious that some of this is going to be, they're going to be like, going to, they're going to be like turned over and flipped, as you would call it, like flipping a house a little bit. Um, but where's the pathway? If you're an 18 year old Chelsea player at the moment, like maybe the new Reese James or maybe the new, I don't know, the Mason Mount or whatever. If you're looking at and going, I can't get in the team. He's performing. He's captain for the club, and the manager, the manager, is singing these praises, and he just can't get a new contract. How does that feel for the academy? So this, this is, has wider implications for me as a club with the direction we want to go in. I think. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair point as well. I I, I just think that if you're going to say we're going to sell Gallagher, Chalaber, and Matson and for Osman, that's basically the trade. I think that's a trade that I'm willing to make, given that. Without that, you're not able to buy Osman. I don't think. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, I, I agree. Are able I mean, if, it, if it's if it's semantics like that, then yeah, maybe it's like a harsh. One. The, the club's never going to come out and say that. So I think you've got to read between the tea leaves a bit. Yeah, of course. But then, but then again, like you know, why did they spend the fifty million extra on Lavia? I, I think some. You know, we well, I think that any... that's the cover for Gallagher, isn't it, Lavia? Yeah. I think I, uh, I think we talked about it already when I was. I think about it's Gallagher. a little bit like if 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 Lavia or Gallagher, and again, Lee and Tooney, I was I always refer to him because probably the best Chelsea reporter. We haven't seen any. Lavia is an unknown for Chelsea. He's played thirty games for Southampton. Probably never played. He never played in a high possession team in his life. Not phenomenal player, by the way. On the ball, looks fantastic. But you're taking a known. You're gambling on an unknown for a known. With Gallagher, his performance will never dip. He's improving. He's not going to... I don't think he's going to regress. Do you know what I mean? I, I mean, I can't see him getting a lot worse. Do you see what I mean? I mean, you could see him getting a silly red or maybe scruffing a shot. But you can't see him having like three, three or four games of like, you know, looking out of debt for anything like that. And against every type of opponent, like City, Liverpool, um, uh, even Sheffield United, a mix of opponents plays really well. So... If you're you're gambling on unknowns, and let's be honest, our squad is all unknowns. Sure, but I think that's that that is how they're building it, and obviously you're trading a 23 year old Gallagher who's looking for a contract. Mm -hmm. Probably we're we're not talking about his salary exactly because we don't know, but he's looking for a contract north of 150 thousand pounds a week, probably. 
So now you're trading him. It, it, you're, it, it, you're getting the money that obviously you're saving the money from the contract. You're getting an extra fifty million mm. straight onto FFP C, and you're giving Romeo Lavia, a nineteen-year-old who's on a much lower contract, a pathway into the more starting minutes. It kind of it, it makes sense to me. So, it, makes sense, it makes sense to you from a financial point of view, and you're talking about numbers there. Not not, for, not just financial, but it just makes sense in terms of squad building point of view as well. I, I think that okay, I used the word disgraceful before. Maybe that's not the right word. I think it's unusual. I think definitely you know, that. I think it's unusual that a player with this type of form is not being at least given a two-year extension. Or I just don't see why they can't do that. It's also apparently they're offering in the eight years. They should just scrap that. You know, I don't think Conor Gallagher. I don't Gallagher, think that's going anywhere anytime soon. Well, well, I don't think that I don't think that Conor Gallagher is going to demand that particularly high wages. Maybe I mean I'm not sure what he's on at the moment, but I'd probably demand 150k a week. Okay, fine. Um, but I don't think it's a, it's a case of the Mason Mount situation where it got ugly at the end. I don't think we're there. We might get there. I don't think it's quite the Mason Mount situation yet, but I think it could be. And, you know, it's worked out well, Mason Mount going to Manchester United because he's been a complete flop. But that, that could change. Maybe he, in the second half of the season, really starts to turn up. In the yeah, Mason I don't think we can, we can really rate Mason Mount's United career. No, and if Mason Mount, you know, ends up becoming a really fantastic Chelsea, uh, Manchester United player, Chelsea fans won't be happy. And even though the fifty million that we got, I mean, it was a good, a good sell. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's, it's difficult to want to, to assess. I just think with Gallagher, I think you're going to get top forty million for him. I think money be money can be generated elsewhere. I mean, we talked about Mudrick. I think you're probably better off selling Mudrick. And could, could we do that? Not sure. But there's there's buyers that they've made. I mean, let's be honest. Like you could probably not have bought Nick Jackson and kept Gallagher. I mean, that's probably that, that's hindsight. But they've overspent, and now they're having to adjust. Uh, constantly pivot what you need from this board a little bit is a, you know a kind of a real consistent strategy because you talk about Osterman they can't buy Osterman with his way structure so they're going to have to completely blow that apart and then obviously other players and they spoke about this on the London's blue pod if you're paying Osterman 350k a week and some of the other players are going to go hang on well why are we on 90k a week for instance you know and we're kind of uh, maybe I, I do think like when you're looking at this overall, it all depends as well on how Chelsea perform. You know, you're talking about Mason Mount being successful and um you know, Gallagher maybe going to even a team like Spurs and being successful. I don't think anyone will care about that as long as Chelsea are successful on the pitch themselves. You know, you look at City over the years, they've sold Douglas Louise, who's one of the best midfielders in the Premier League this season. Leroy Sane's been incredible for Bayern Munich, Ferran Torres. Uh, they sold obviously that summer with Sterling, Jesus, Sinchenko, Pedro Porro. These are all players that are playing really, really well for their teams mm. right now. Um, and you know they got rid of Cancelo as well. City, you know they're, they're getting rid and Cole Palmer obviously recently and and Mares, Laporte. Uh, you, you know this can all be ignored. Selling good players. I think the, the only as long thing as I'll you've say, got your own team being successful on the pitch, and would, that's say, the most important thing. I would agree that like City have sold well. But the thing of Chelsea is we don't have the De Bruyne's, we don't have the Harden's to fall back on. If we sell Gallagher and the team dips um, and morale goes, it's difficult for the board to get the fans back. It's difficult to build, build trust at the moment. I do think at the moment trust between the fans and the board is brittle. I really do think that. Um, I don't think... I don't think, And I think the Cobham thing is a real thing for me because at the moment I love, I love Cobham and... We all do. Like that's why it breaks our heart where Reese James is injured, and because we really want him to be, you know, the captain, fantastic, and that we want him to be, and he's probably one of a world class player. 
you know, we get these players for free. Why have such a fantastic academy if you're just going to go scouting the world for players and just end up, there's no pathway for the the, the, the common graduates. I mean, the Ocarthodine, all these players, they haven't got a minute yet. I mean, I'm not saying that you really need to do that, but, you know, you just need to have a, a clear strategy. And at the moment, it feels a little bit mixed. And letting Gallagher go, I think, again, would be a little bit mixed. Yeah, well, definitely an interesting discussion. I know that it will be uh, mixed opinions amongst the Chelsea fan base, as there always is, actually, to be honest, with uh, with a lot of issues. But Gallagher is, is definitely one, and, and certainly a player that I think we have to applaud his incredible effort and performances this season while still trying to be objective on what is best for the team moving forward um, overall. All right, anything else that we want to go through today? No, I mean, it was good to get a, a routine home win and, uh, you know, busy Christmas period coming up. And like I said, like we argued on the pod, you know, we're Chelsea FC. We need to get a few more wins in the, in the, in the games coming up. So I have to wait and see. Can't wait for some, uh, some festive football here, starting yeah. with a, a fantastic night game and a, and a cup quarterfinal against Newcastle on Tuesday night. Yeah. All right, that's all we've got time for today. Regardless of the result, we will be back with a review of Newcastle and we'll also get the preview out today as well. For all more updates on ESCR, you can follow us on Twitter, Eat Sleep Chelsea, or Instagram, Eat Sleep and Chelsea Repeat. As always, we hope you're carefree wherever you may be. And thanks for listening. Chelsea repeat, eat, sleep, Chelsea repeat, eat, sleep, Chelsea repeat, eat, sleep.